Amen. Appreciate that song. And I'll be honest, my wife sent me that soundtrack to add to the PowerPoint several days ago, but I think I finally got around to it yesterday. Didn't know anything about the song until then. I, once I listened to it, I realized I had heard it. But man, that goes so well with my message. Uh, didn't know what bro Brother Robbie was going to sing until he got up and started singing. It just all tying so well together, all focused on God. And, and really, we're looking at a message called, uh, just simply entitled, Our God is That God. We're going to be in Daniel chapter 3 in just a moment. You're welcome to turn there. Very familiar story about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We were in uh, the book of Daniel a couple weeks ago with Pastor John's sermon there. And uh, we'll be back in the book of Daniel this morning. But our God is that God. And honestly, I usually, I pretty much always, if I make a PowerPoint for a sermon, I like there to be some artwork, some pictures, some things to help just make it memorable, make it stick, just apply the title. And I had some things. I got some pictures of some galaxies from NASA.gov and just some different things there. But that's not enough to capture our God. And I'll be honest, Daniel 3 isn't enough. It takes the whole Bible. And even then, we can spend our lives digging into who that God is. So I pray that as we spend just a few minutes here this morning looking at our God, as we spend a few minutes hearing about the God that enabled Pastor Tilly's dad to do all of that, and the God that even if we are drifting from him in a hard time, will come running after us. I pray that that truth will take a hold, that we'll leave here today wanting to know that God more. Because we're going to look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and one question that I've often wondered, I, I grew up in church, I was in church nine months before I was born, I, I'm that kid, maybe that's some of you as well, I count that as a privilege, but I learned about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, probably from my mom's flannel graph, first of all. Anybody do flannel graph? Anybody still use flannel graph? If you do, I commend you. Raise your hand. Help me out if you know what a flannel graph is. Okay, I'm not the Okay, you guys are tracking with me a little bit. Raise your hand if you're under the age of 20 and you know what a flannel graph is. Okay, good job, Michaela. But uh, I probably saw a little on the flannel graph, little Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, probably slightly bigger flannel, Nebuchadnezzar, and all of that on there. And I can often start to become so familiar with the stories, but also wonder how they were able to do what they've done. And if it's been a little while, you're not familiar with the story, we'll go through what happened. But I can even wonder how Pastor John's dad, day in, day out, year in, year out, serving in different churches, being moved to different areas, how could he do that? And it's because each of those men got a hold of the fact that our God that we're serving, he is that God. He is the one that can enable us to do it. Daniel chapter 3, we're going to jump in the middle and then go back to the beginning. But verse 15 says, Nebuchadnezzar talking, Now if ye be ready, that at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the image which I have made, well, but if ye worship not, ye shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is that God? There's where we get our title from. Who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? I often have to wonder if Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego could suppress the smile that probably wanted to creep across their face. I think they were, saying, they were thinking, and we'll see it in a moment, hey, glad you asked, Nebuchadnezzar. I'd love to tell you about that God and then show you about that God by the decisions we're about to make. Verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, 
is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. They are about to, they just told him and are about to show who that God is to them. They didn't have anything secret. And that's convicting to me. Now, they did something huge. And I don't want to go any further without admitting that God gave them grace to go through, to face the king, to face the fiery furnace. God gave them grace to do that. But that's the same grace that God will give each of us if we'll face a fiery furnace, if we'll face a good time or a bad time for him. We don't lack anything that they have. I hope we'll get so a hold of who that God is that we'll be willing to do whatever we need to face. We can face good times, bad times. We can face that boss, that situation, that struggle. That God is able to bring us through those times, whether it's that virus of COVID or that situation that nobody else in here knows about and you're not about to tell us. That God is able to do it. It kind of cracks me up. Jen's been going through some uh, stomach testing, uh, just something going on with her stomach. Uh, I don't say any of this to embarrass her, but this part's funny to me. She uh, had to go eat some eggs. Apparently, she had to eat this big portion of scrambled eggs and toast in five minutes. Now, I eat fast, but I felt bad for her having to eat fast. But she texted me. Uh, I couldn't go back with her. I was in town with her, but couldn't go back to the, the room with her. But she texted me that she was now radioactive. Apparently, there was some radioactivity involved in the test. I think she's fine. To me, she glows anyway, because she's just so pretty. But uh, you guys keep an eye. I think I earned myself some brownie points there. But you guys keep an eye to see if that worked. But in this test, and the test went well. Apparently, the eggs didn't taste horrible. It sounded terrible to me. But we were joking even just over the phone while she was sitting there waiting for the test to go and all of that that, uh, you know, wondered if she's going to gain any superpowers because of this. I joked that if she got bitten by a spider, maybe she'd become Spider-Woman. And She said, well, she's the radioactive one, so maybe the spider would become super. I, I don't know. But we, we joked about her gaining some supernatural ability or super ability, some superpower. Obviously, that was a joke. But we can look at Pastor Tilly's dad. We can look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel, at so many in the Bible and wonder how they were able to do it. We serve the same God that they do. We don't have anything that they, we don't lack anything that they had. We're able to make those choices as well. And as we look through this message, I hope it'll encourage you to face whatever you're facing, even if it's good times, to keep your focus on God and to get a hold of that God. So whether it's good times coming or difficult, we'll be able to live with the faith and trust that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did. Let's pray and we'll look at a few points here from Daniel chapter 3. God, we thank you that you are our God. We thank you that you are that God, the only true God, the one who is all-powerful, the one who Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew you were fully able to bring them from the fiery furnace, and you chose to do that, but they also knew that if you left them there in that difficulty, if you allowed that to take their lives, that you had a plan and a purpose, that nothing would happen without your permission, that nothing would be out of your control that you are that God who is far infinitely more powerful than a Nebuchadnezzar. God, it's so easy to get our attention focused on that thing, that trouble, that stress, that problem, that difficulty, even that blessing. But I pray that this morning, in the week ahead, and in the days beyond that, that our focus will be on that God 
and that you will be even more real to us than ever before. God, you've been worshipped, you've been uplifted in this service. I pray that that will continue as we dig in here to Daniel 3. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So we'll be going through, starting in Daniel 3, back in verse 1. I'll read fairly quickly, because I imagine for most of us this story is fairly familiar. But uh, as we look, first of all, that God, he makes excuses unnecessary. But you look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, kidnapped out of their land, land of Judah, taken to a foreign country that at times seems to have tolerated God up to this point, but definitely not here. If anybody had excuses, they did. Everybody around them is going to hear the music and fall down and at least fake worship, if not actually worship this, this false statue, this false god, this false worship that Nebuchadnezzar is demanding. The king, the tyrant king, is demanding it. And it's amazing that they were able to go through it that well. But it wasn't about the king. It wasn't about the crowd. It wasn't even about the furnace or the temptation. It was all about them and God. Circumstances were going from bad to worse. But God wasn't changing. So we look in Daniel 3. Let's start in verse 1. It says, Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold, whose height was three score cubits and breadth thereof six cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king sent uh, together uh, to gather together the princes, the governors, and the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, and the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the province, provinces to come to the dedication of the image which Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Then the princes, the governors, the captains, the judges, the treasurers, everyone around them, says the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces were gathered together under the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. And they stood before the king, before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then an herald cried aloud, To you it is commanded, O people, nations, and languages, that at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, dulcimer, and all kinds of music, that ye fall down and worship the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Up to that point, and we'll look more in the story in just a moment, but Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they had to be there, but they didn't have to bow down. They weren't wrong for being there. That was not disobeying God. That was not wrong, but it would have been wrong for them to bow down. Maybe God has placed you in a workplace or in a different situation where you're surrounded by some difficult temptations. It's not wrong to be there if it's where God wants you to be. But at the same time, let's not give in to the temptation. Let's not make the excuses that would have frankly been so easy for these three guys. Oh, everyone's doing it. It's not that big of a deal. You know, we have to. We're commanded. No, they had to be there. Excuses were plenty. But God's grace was greater. We see in verse 6, And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth shall the same hour be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. What a choice. But they knew that God was so good that excuses didn't even matter. They didn't even need them. Because it wasn't a choice between what Nebuchadnezzar would or wouldn't do. It was a choice between what God had for them or what the world had for them. Everyone else did worship. But they also got to witness Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's amazing testimony. We'll talk about that more a little later in the message. But everyone around them, all these leaders and important people that were there, they got to see that testimony. And if we'll have our faith in that God be as real as it was to them, 
It'll show up in so many ways. People will be drawn to God because of our testimony. Verse 7 continues, says, Therefore at that time, when all the people heard the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and all kinds of music, all the people, the nations, and the languages, fell down and worshipped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Verse 8, Wherefore, at that time certain Chaldeans came near and accused the Jews. They spake and said to the king, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. Thou, O king, hast made a decree that every man shall hear, that shall hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoso not falleth down uh, and worshipeth, that he should be cast in the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not regarded thee. They serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou had set up. Everyone around them was doing it. Quite frankly, the stakes were extremely high, life and death. Standing alone, the stakes were high, and that's why the right choice was so important. I think some of us face a time where our faith is, is tested, maybe not to sin or not to sin, but to have that faith and trust that can carry us through anything from a burning, fiery furnace to just daily challenges. And are we going to place our faith in that God to that extent? Or are we going to make some excuses and just, yeah, not today, just not be a bold witness, just not be a, a light, not go the way of the world, but just kind of blend in. The stakes were high, and that's why the right choice was so important. Notice in verse 13, that Nebuchadnezzar in his rage and fury commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they brought these men before the king. He wasn't kidding when it was that same hour. And it's easy to think, well, yeah, back then in Bible times, it must have been easier. If those three were alive today, they, things would be different. I bet they would have a harder time doing right in 2021 America in our largely post-Christian culture. I bet they would have even had a more difficult time staying, standing for right. But actually, if they were alive here today, they'd be able to serve God largely without fear. And yet how often do we, if we're the only ones going the right way, start to say, is this worth it? Uh, oh, okay, you know, I should witness to that person. My light should be shining, as Pastor John recently preached about. But it's not that big of a deal. I'm just going to blend in a little bit. I've heard it said that uh, often the world is here, living for the things that matter to the world and not for the things of God. And the church will be over here, doing right, doing better. But then if the world moves, so does the church. And we don't ever go as bad as the world. We don't ever blend in with the world. But if the world's shifting that way, we're, we're staying behind a little ways, but shifting that way as well. These were three men who are in a godless culture with a tyrant king named Nebuchadnezzar. And they're saying, that God is able to deliver us. That God is the one worthy of our worship and our service. And they didn't waver in their service to that God. If they were alive today on earth right now, I wonder how they would look at us. I wonder how they'd look at me. And sometimes we're, I'm tempted to blend in. I'm tempted to make an excuse. I'm tempted to not want to take as big of a stand. Now, you and I, we didn't choose this sin-cursed world. We didn't choose our circumstances, but God did choose us. He sent his son to die for us, to rise again. And if you've never had all of your sins forgiven by Jesus, what an amazing thing to do this morning. 
But he also offers us not just eternal salvation, but everything we need every day. And if we'll have our faith in that God, we won't even need excuses. We'll be able to move ahead for him. It was uh, Mr. Ken Wynn, who several of us got to go to uh, Texas and New Mexico, or Texas and Mexico on a missions trip with. He's serving in Florida now as an assistant pastor. But he posted this on social media several weeks back. He said, we often desire God's destination, but do all we can to get there our way. If we trust him for the destination, we need to trust him for the path to get there. He knows best. <laughs> no doubt, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would have loved to have guaranteed their safety. Safety that, by the way, they'll get. They would have loved to have been able to be a bold witness in Babylon. And that's exactly what God was doing. They would have loved for the king to start to recognize that God is the one true God. And that's exactly what they were able to show to him. But only because they had to trust that God for the destination and that God for the journey. I don't know if you're nearing a destination where maybe something's about to be easier or more difficult, or if you're, you know, just kind of cruising through a pretty good time. Let's trust God. Let's trust that God for every moment of every day. That God makes uh, excuses unnecessary. He also makes decisions clear, and circumstances almost become irrelevant. Now, I'm not saying that the circumstances that you're going through or I'm going through don't matter. They do, often very deeply. But when it comes to making a decision, when it becomes, comes to what matters most, the fact that the furnace was hot didn't matter. The fact that it wasn't that they were going to be on death row for a couple of years, maybe be able to appeal, the fact that it was that same hour they're going in here didn't matter. The fact that, as we'll see in just a moment, that Nebuchadnezzar and his rage stokes the fires hotter didn't matter. Their decision was clear. They had their focus on that God. They had gotten a hold of God so much Circumstances weren't what mattered. Our God proves that he is that God. Verse 14 says it this way, as we read a little bit ago. But Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now if ye be ready, that at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye shall fall down and worship the image which I have made well. But if ye worship not, ye shall be cast the same hour into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? And we could look at that and say, oh, foolish Nebuchadnezzar. And we could say, oh, it must have been easy to see a king saying, who's that God? And to trust God instead of the king. And to know that God's more powerful than the king. But how often... Do our circumstances or a person in our lives become bigger and more prominent and more important to us in our lives than that God? Verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. God can see in the dark just fine. Our dark, difficult circumstances don't mean that God can't see or isn't working. I think I've shared this story before, but I ended up hearing this from the same speaker twice within about a year as a teenager. He talked about how he was watching with a buddy. He was watching their favorite sports team. I think it was a basketball game, and their team is losing badly. First half, first you know, quarter, so to speak, on into the second. They're losing, and this guy had complete confidence 
that his team was going to win. He's like, relax. You know, the buddy's freaking out. Hey, we're losing. That guy's not playing well. That guy's not playing well. It's got, no, relax. We've got this. We're going to win this game. Oh, okay. On into the second half. They're still down in, you know, the, the first part of the second half. And he's just, cool. We, we got this. End of the second half, they're, they're starting to chip away. The guys just relax. They're, they're coming back. They're coming back. They eventually win, and the guy's still cool, saying, hey, I knew we had it all along. And the, guy says, the second guy says, how did you know? How can you have such confidence in our team? We were losing the whole time. Guy gets up, and this is a little while ago. He puts, pushes the button on the VCR, pulls the VHS tape out. The game had already happened. It was done. It was over. I don't know what God is going to do in your situation or mine, but we can have confidence that he's in control as if we were watching it from last week, as if we were looking back on it the way he is. We can have that much confidence. You ever have some first halves like I just described, where the first part of your situation's not going the way you want it to, not going the way you feel it should, whether it's the first half, the first quarter, the third quarter, whether it's the fourth quarter, and things are still not looking good. We can have confidence in that God. When you look at Daniel 3, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew beyond a doubt that God could deliver them. God hadn't told them he would, though. They didn't know for sure. They knew he was able to. They didn't question his power, his ability one bit. They knew that whatever happened, though, would be what God chose. So whether this was their time to join him for eternity or their time to be spared from the burning, fiery furnace, they never wavered in their confidence. And we don't have to either. If we'll keep our faith in that God, he proves it time and time again. It would take a God beyond Nebuchadnezzar's comprehension to save them from the burning, fiery furnace. And that's exactly who our God is. That God, our God, is worthy. Verse 18, notice, they, they realize God might not save them, but Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say, but if not, if he doesn't choose to save us, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. The story is told about G. Campbell Morgan that he had already enjoyed some success as a preacher by the time he was just 19 years old. But then he was attacked by doubts about the Bible. The writings of various scientists, especially of that day, and agnostics questioning whether God existed or not disturbed him. Reading, about, reading from Charles Darwin and you know, Thomas Huxley and Herbert Spencer. As he read their books and listened to the debates, did, did we get here because of God or did we evolve here? He started to, to doubt. He became more and more complex. What did he do? He canceled all his preaching engagements, put all the books in a cupboard, and locked the door. He went to the bookstore and bought a new Bible, and he said to himself, I am no longer sure that this is what my father claims it to be, that it is the word of God. But of this I am sure, if it is the word of God, and if I come to it with an unprejudiced and open mind, it will bring me assurance to, to my soul of itself. The result? He says, that Bible found me. The new assurance in 1883 gave him the motivation for his preaching and teaching ministry, and he devoted himself for the rest of his life to the study and preaching of God's word. Now, maybe you're not questioning if all of this happened randomly. Maybe you know beyond a doubt that in the beginning God created. But maybe there's some situation in your life where you're starting to question, would you be able to stand up the way Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did? Or would that be more difficult? Maybe you and I need to do what Mr. Morgan did there, just to get alone, just us, God, 
in the Bible, whether it's a brand new one or one from a family member that has extra special meaning like Pastor John shared, and just spend that time with God until we remember, no, he's that God. The world around us and circumstances have a way of shrinking God down in our minds and making problems big. Nebuchadnezzar could have seemed, in comparison, bigger than that statue, and God could have seemed puny. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew that God was the one who was big. He's the one that can do it, and they kept their faith in him. Maybe what you and I need to do sometimes is just take a bit of time with us, God, and the Bible. That God saw what was going on. And I want, we'll go through this part quickly, but I want it to be a reminder that whatever you're going through, good or bad, God sees it. You ever just want to just talk to somebody, whether they can help or not, and just have them understand what you're going through. Not to give advice. Uh, guys, a lot of times your, your uh, wife wants you to just listen. I think I'm still learning that one. I always want to try to fix any situation. But to just, she'll, Jen will often just want me to listen to see what's going on. God always sees. Verse 19 in Daniel 3 says, Then when Nebuchadnezzar was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury, and the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He kind of throws a fit. Therefore he spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it was wont to be heated. Exactly what that was supposed to accomplish. I mean, this guy is losing his mind. I mean, they were going to get burned alive, I guess faster now. He's just, he's losing it, throwing a fit. It says, and he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army... Bad choice, but to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their hosen, and their hats, and their other garments, and were cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent and the furnace exceeding hot, the flames of the fire slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Nebuchadnezzar loses good men while trying to kill godly men. He's throwing a little bit of fit of a fit. And as we'll see, especially in the next verses, God saw every bit of it. That God sees what you're going through. Maybe nobody else does. He sees, he knows, and he's the one who can help. But then that God goes through the fire with you. Simple point, but a powerful one. Notice in verse 23, and these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished and rose up in haste and spake and said unto his counselors, Did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? And they answered and said unto the king, True, O king. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Jesus himself joined them, and he will join you, maybe not physically, but he will join himself with you. He will go through any difficulty with you. You will never go through a challenge that God doesn't see, and you'll never go through a challenge for him that he's not there with you. We can remember God's presence. We can realize that God is doing something amazing. Notice what happens in verse 35. Nebuchadnezzar says, Lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire. The fire did essentially touch Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, not their person, but it burnt away their bindings. I wonder how often we're facing a trial, facing a burning, fiery furnace, and God just wants to use it to get rid of some problem in our life. He wants to use it to help us in some way. The fire, all it did was it gave Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego time in the presence of Jesus and got rid of their bindings. And we can say, no, this difficulty, it's too much. I can't do it. And that God is big enough to be there with us 
and to use it to help us. That's all the fire did to them. That God goes through the fire with you. And lastly, that God rewards his servants. Now, that doesn't always happen as quickly as we maybe think it should, but it happens in the perfect time. God rewarded them with protection. Verse 26, Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, ye servants of the Most High God, come forth and come hither. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth of, forth of the midst of the fire. And the princes, governors, and captains, and the king's counselors gathered together, saw these men upon whom the bodies, whose bodies the fire had no power, nor was an hair of their head singed, neither were their coats changed, nor the smell of the fire had passed on them. Complete and utter protection. And you may be thinking of people who served God faithfully and did not get protected from harm. Godly protection will never prevent danger that will be used for a greater purpose. In this fire, God chose to use it to just burn away their bindings. Sometimes we go through trials where we are affected in more ways than that, but God has a greater purpose in that. God rewarded them with his protection. God rewarded them with influence. Notice in verse 28, Then Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who hath sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him, and have changed the king's word and yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Therefore I make a decree that every people, nation, and language which speak anything amidst, amiss against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces, and their houses shall be made a dunghill, because there is no other god that can deliver after this sort. Now, Nebuchadnezzar still had some learning to do, those of you who know the next couple of chapters of Scripture there, but they were able to have a great influence, certainly over Nebuchadnezzar, but I'm sure over even hundreds and maybe even thousands of people around them because they had their faith in that God. You may be thinking of people who served God faithfully and they never gained a great following. Godly influence reaches a lot farther than social media followers or fame ever can. God's got such a plan for us. And if you are faithfully serving God in the good times and the bad, I don't think it'll be until heaven until you realize just how many people you've touched, just how many people you've influenced, just how many people were ready to hang up the towel, ready to make the excuse, ready to bow to the false God, whatever that temptation might have been. And you kept going, so they did. And then next year, you kept going, so they did. And then they were able to remember when you were up against a similar difficulty and you kept going and kept your faith in that God, and so they will. Lastly, we see he rewarded them, God rewarded them with promotion. Verse 30, then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. They got political promotion. Now you may know of people who have faithfully served God, even taken a stand for God, who never received an earthly promotion like this. But earthly promotion that isn't given by God is really a demotion in the end. God does reward, and whether those rewards come as an earthly promotion or an earthly reward or an eternal one, they are always worth it. God's got a perfect plan. That God rewards his servant. Uh, Miss Deborah, whomever, Miss Melissa, whomever is going to be playing the piano can come, and we'll have a short time of invitation in just a moment. And I want you to spend a little time thinking of who is that God to you. Has there been a time where you've accepted his plan of salvation, realized that you are hopelessly lost in your sin without him, 
but that he sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross, to rise again, to pay for your sins. If you've never made that decision, we'd love to show you from the Bible that he is the one and only. He is the way. He is the one who can save us for all eternity. And if you are saved, spend a couple minutes talking to God. Come forward to the altar or just at your seats, whatever you feel comfortable with. But know that he's the all-knowing, all-powerful one who we should eagerly, passionately come to for every need. He's the one who constantly guides us and influences us more than any circumstance or difficulty ever should. He's the one we get to spend time talking to right now. And you can ask him, even beg him for strength for the week to come, for that situation. He's the one we can ask right now for the courage to stand strong in a changing and ungodly world. So whether at your seats or here at the altar, take a few minutes and pray to that God about the situations in your life. we get a hold of who that God is, our problems might not immediately change, but our view of them sure can. They can become smaller and smaller as we realize that God is bigger than we ever imagined. I hope that'll happen for you and for me this week, that even if we're going through good times and there's not a problem to seem smaller, that our God will seem bigger and bigger because he's beyond our imagination. Thank you for coming today. Look forward to the Next Generation Kids service tonight. Looking forward to hearing Brother Aiden preach. Pastor John, would you dismiss us in a word of prayer? Our Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you for being able to be a part of the family of God. Lord, we thank you for the privilege of being able to gather together in your house. And Lord, to worship together, to fellowship together. Oh, Lord, to build friendships one with another. Lord, to find support and help. And Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you for Pastor Kent, Lord, and he delivered your word. And Father, 
many miracles for many people. The God, a oh Lord, that is able to accomplish anything, Lord, that is our God. And Lord, I pray we never lose sight of that. And Lord, as we go through life, that Lord, we will learn to look to you, to rely on you, to depend on you. And Father, we thank you for it. Bless us now as we go our different ways home. I pray that Lord, that you'll bless us this afternoon. And Lord, I pray you bring us back to your house again this evening. Bless the ladies as he preaches to us. Bless the young people, Lord, that will be a part of the service. And Father, we'll thank you.